In the apocalyptic virus-ridden summer of 2020, two friends with an interest in food and almost no regard for audio quality decided to start a podcast along with everybody else. Ah well, God loves a trier. Uh, yeah, you've thrown me completely. I can't remember what's going to say. It was probably boring. Now, I'm not really sure how you categorise this email. Um, I kind of like the way it's written because you can't categorise it. I'm not sure if it's a complaint or someone who's just stating a, a, a fact, but um, I'll let you be the judge. So it says, Dear IR. Um, okay. I presume that stands for ill rumination. Makes sense. I enjoyed your show about pub snacks. I agreed with most of the content, but was a little bit disturbed by how flippantly you both refer to a scotch egg as a bar snack. Since when has a scotch egg been a bar snack? I think scotch eggs are much more likely to be a picnic food. Yours sincerely, Barry Hurrows. <laughs> um, well, first of all, thank you, Barry, for your your email. Is, is that a complaint? <laughs> or is it just a statement of fact? Well... I mean, in a way, if we'd had this podcast uh, or letter, you know, about half a year ago, we'd have had a discussion about substantial meals. But m- maybe we need to get M- Michael Gove to weigh in on this one. Oh yeah, of course. The um, maybe that's what he's getting at. The old you're you're allowed to be in a pub if you're drinking and have a substantial meal. But uh, and of course, a picnic uh, is a substantial meal as long as you lay the table as such on a rug yeah picnic food i don't know i'm in two minds here and i'll tell you why a scotch egg is quite good when it's still warm yeah hot out of the fryer i think barry bless him has got a slightly kind of binary view of the world which i don't normally mind but like is it feasible you could take a scotch egg on a picnic yes is it feasible you could get a scotch egg at the bar and, and eat it with your pint Yes. Is it feasible to have a packet of crisps in a picnic? Yes. Is it feasible to have a packet of crisps with your pint at the bar? Yes. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw maybe a potential spanner in the works here for you, Hodge. Would you take a packet of scampi fries on a picnic? No. But that's only because you get clearance to eat scampi fries by the pub, I presume. Yeah. If you eat them in public, you know, outside the four walls of the pub, um. I imagine, you know, the authorities would probably get involved around around public decency and things like that. But um, I would take a packet of pork scratchings. You'd take a packet of pork scratchings out of the pub environment. Yeah, I'd take. Yeah, why not? I'd take them on a picnic. I'm just trying to imagine it. I'm just trying to work that through in my head. Um, I can't imagine a packet of pork scratchings without a pint of beer in my hand. That's the. That's my torment. My mental torment here. Would you include a bottle of beer in your picnic? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, problem solved. Bang, Here you go. done. And um, just just one final follow up there, Hodge. You know, you 
we would take a scotch egg on a picnic absolutely and i completely agree with you that this isn't a mutually exclusive thing but would you ever take pickled eggs anywhere <laughs> i'd take them to the dump <laughs> i'd take them back from whence i bought them horrible things quite useful for throwing for the dog so you could bring them back kind of you know yeah. almost unblemished I mean, my dog's my dog is disgusting and eats many a disgusting thing. But I think even he would turn his nose up at a uh, pickled egg. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, thank you very much uh, for your letter, Barry. Um, I hope we've answered it. Basically, we're dismissing your views completely and saying that um, it's perfectly reasonable to take a Scotch egg on a picnic or eat one in the pub. So please don't write again. <laughs> We have to engage in our with with discussions with these people, whether they have binary views of the world or not. Okay, pause. Please write again. <laughs> Let the edit do the work. Illumination. The other week when we were recording, we talked about a um, a tin of soup being a cheat's way of putting together a pie. That's got us on to today's topic, which is soup. Soup and. It's interesting because actually, I, I wasn't quite aware of this, but that use of using soup as a, a pie filling or a casserole addition or a something is, is really quite common. I didn't know that either. I thought it was just me and something clever that I'd thought of. But um, <laughs> wandering around Marks and Spencers, I managed to find in the soup aisle something they called pie filling. Yeah. Damn it. I thought we had some original content there, but maybe not. So start start at the start. I mean, I haven't really thought this through, but I was just thinking about a pie filling being like a soup, but a, a soup is a soup. Yeah. And you mentioned casseroles. Yeah. So there's a spectrum of soup. It starts with pie filling and ends with a very thin soup, like a cup of soup. I think you go even even thinner. You go to consommé Ooh. or broth, which is basically just stock. All the way up to at the other end of the spectrum, yeah, pie filling, and maybe a slight divergence to pureed vegetables. Yeah, you said probably needed to map that out. I wouldn't. Well, if only we. Yeah, maybe we should. Actually, this is a really good point. This is something we can add to the uh, the website. A full map of soup. Yeah. Yeah, I may or may not edit that and leave it in or out, but. Well, we, you know, the family tree actually is quite diverse. I, I, I'm really loving this idea because, you know, you've got then you can go down the instant soup kind of branch of the family. Yeah, yeah, because you could go like this a lot. Instant soup, soup with bits of noodle in it. In, then you're into instant noodles, aren't you? Yes. Which have a soup broth thing that comes with the noodles. Yep. Oh wow! And then like it's only a short jump to pot noodle. Now, okay. Right, I, I'm going all over. The, my brain is just flying here with ideas. Would you would you consider pot noodle to be a, a noodle soup? Reluctantly, I'd have to say yes. <laughs> I think so too. Oh man, I, I say reluctantly. Obviously, if Golden Wonder is still them that makes them <laughs> want to sponsor this show, then we're more than happy to edit that bit out and um, talk about how we would gleefully add pot noodle to the. Uh, <laughs> soup family tree i think with this soup family tree you there's potential to go down the soup hole a little bit because you may just end up mapping all foods 
I yeah, I mean, where do you go? Like, eventually, you could end up in desserts, couldn't you? Yeah. What, what do what do the Italians call trifle? Do they call it? I wish you'd stop setting these kind of multilingual questions for me, just to embarrass me in front of the, the whole world. Sorry, I, I was more of a just a, like a. Anyway, they call it zuppa inglese, which means English soup. No, no way. Yeah, way. Bear with me. I need no to. Way. I need to blow my nose. Illumination. You need, you're gonna have to keep you're gonna have to keep that in check, Sam. If you start mapping soup into noodles, into all the other foodstuffs, into desserts, let's put it this way: you're not independently wealthy enough, or being funded through the EU to do this. So <laughs> just just be careful. I said, oh, "What happened to him? I used to see him out and about around Croydon. Look at him; he's a broken shell of a man who sleeps in a telephone box." Yeah. He's constantly scribbling on the backs of McDonald's wrappers. <laughs> oh, he's, he's on this endless <laughs> endless quest to map all foods. Why is he doing that? Someone, su- someone suggested soup was related to stew, and off he went. <laughs> it's it's going to be like one of those scenes in the films where you, you, know, you go to the asylum and they go, poor old Sam, he's still in there, and all over the walls he's just scribbled in tiny letters like this huge family <laughs> tree of, of soups. Rain Man will come over and say, "Look, mate, just take a break." <laughs> oh, we, we all have time. We all have time off, son. You need to. You need to sit down. <laughs> Let's play cards with Charlie Babbitt. <laughs> Illumination. Well, I I did do a, a little bit of homework. Well, I did more than a little bit of homework. I I I went out and I purchased something which I've been eyeing up for many years, actually. I think well, it's Caribbean in origin. I, I, you can buy this in in the supermarkets, and it's cock flavored soup. So I really want to try this uh, because obviously that stands out somewhat on the on the shelf of the supermarket or or whatever because of the bright colours and the uh, and the picture of the chicken or the male chicken and the word and the word cock. I don't know. I wasn't going to re-raise that. Hodge. It seems <laughs> it seems a bit base. I've... That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> but I think that. Kind of highlights the difference uh, between your approach and my approach. <laughs> trying to say that with a straight face after admitting to roasting flumps over cock. it. <laughs> roasting cock. And I had it for lunch today, and I have to say it was a quite standard chicken-flavoured, slightly spicy noodle soup. Probably wouldn't buy it again. I wouldn't go back for more. Um... Once is enough for me. Why is it called cock soup, though? I, I just didn't know if, if in the Caribbean they refer to like all chickens as cocks or something. Uh, no, I don't think so. Not really our area of expertise, is it? Have you ever had artichoke soup? I have. I have. It's um, it's a pretty good catalyst for gas generation, isn't it? Yeah. So artichoke, also known as fartichoke soup. Yeah. When I had my allotment when I lived in Newcastle, someone gave us some of these tubers and said, oh, do you want some of these tubers? You know, you just plant them and they grow and you can make soup with them and they're fantastic. Yeah, you know, seemed like a nice gesture at the time, didn't it? So I don't know if you've ever planted any of these things or if you know anyone who's ever planted any of these. Yes, I have. Once you put them in the ground, if you don't contain them yeah, in some sort of sunken a box or some other kind of container. They basically just grow 
and multiply and grow and multiply and take over your entire allotment and your neighbor's allotment and then everybody hates you and you can never get them out. So you've got no way of eradicating them? Well, we just gave up our allotment. Uh, not, not just because of the arse change. <laughs> you just, fuck this. Basically, if you leave, if you leave a, a bit in there, they'll just carry on growing and growing and growing. It's very difficult, basically, to eradicate completely. And they, they grow like wildfire. Arse shape soups are really nice soup. I like that It's really tasty, lot. yeah. Yeah, really, really creamy, creamy, like a rich flavour, potato-y kind of texture, I would say, like a blitz kind of potato like texture. Absolutely fantastic. But, like you said, they do cause an incredible amount of wind. Now, I've heard that there is there is a spice which can counter this. Oh, right. Which is good for avoiding wind. But I can't remember whether it's turmeric or the appropriately named asafoetida. <laughs> and do, you, do you need to add it to the soup or can you take it afterwards? You, you, I think you add it to the soup, but luckily turmeric and asafoetida both have complementary flavour profiles to, ter- uh, to uh, artichokes. Oh, right. Match made in the ground. Yeah. A match made in someone's heaven. Yeah, don't don't strike a match nearby. No. <laughs> With knowledge like that, you should go on the gardener's question time. Hello, my name's Derek Dunkirk <laughs> from uh, the Never Compton and Tre- Trent Allotment Association. For clarity, allotment and not flowers. Uh, we do not grow flowers on the Never Compton and Trent Allotment Association. <laughs> I'm a keen gardener of artichokes, <laughs> and I do like to make artichokes soup. However, it does make me rather flatulent. (laughs) Since the glorious Brexit, I've been unable to buy my normal flatulence medicine that was shipped over from France. Can you come up with another, uh, preferably organic, solution to this windy problem? You'd be brilliant. You could just jump straight in there with your turmeric. (laughs) Yeah, um, that's a good plan. You know, it's my dream to do kind of nice little interludes on Radio 4, just the voiceovers and that. The person who goes, and now on Radio 4, it's time for the weather, or that kind of thing. And now it's time for the archers, where a problem with the Jerusalem artichokes has led to hilarious consequences. You can't beat that guy with a deep voice. Your voice isn't quite deep enough. My voice isn't quite deep enough. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Now you turned into Sean Connery. Help <laughs> I, I went to visit some friends. We were all meeting up on a campsite in Cornwall for my friend's birthday. I had been listening to the test match on the way down in the car and parked my car, said hello to everybody and went, oh, don't worry, I've got the cricket on the radio. Pulled out this radio, whacked it up really loud, and it was on the wrong station, and it just blared out the the Archer's theme tune across the campsite. There's no other, no better way to announce yourself as like, <laughs> "Hey, the cool guys arrived." <laughs> uh, it's amazing when you like that period where you stop listening to Radio One. There's a gap, and then you start listening to Radio Four. It's a gap of around. 10, 15 years, but then you suddenly realise that everything on Radio 1 is shite. So, do you, would you consider Jerusalem artichoke soup to be the the finest of the vegetable soups? Uh, 
Oh, that's a good question. What, just a straight, no, just a vegetable, only vegetables? Yeah, like cooked in a stock, pureed, bang. Single vegetable or multiple vegetables? I think you're allowed multiple vegetables here because you, you're always allowed a bit of allium in there, I would say. Mm. Most soups mm. benefit from an onion or a leek. That's true. Um, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily reach for a artichoke soup. I quite like a mushroom soup. Is mushroom a vegetable? Well, it is now. Okay, cool. Then, yeah, um, mushroom soup, fantastic. Oh, that's reminded me. Right, so... I'll preempt that with the best mushroom soup I've ever had was a soup made with mushrooms, onions, cream, I think naturally, and Riesling wine. Oh, right. But uh, apparently it's a big secret recipe. I had it in this one restaurant or pub. It's well known. They sell gallons of the stuff. It's like a mushroom fondue. It's like a rich, really, really rich soup, which they only serve in small amounts, but with Riesling as well wine and it's just, Moorish. it's oh it's so Moorish. So delicious. But, Sounds good. But it kind of leads me on to the question, which is why why I thought of this yeah. soup, which is would you under any situation order soup as a starter in a restaurant? Um if more substantial things were available. If almost anything else was available. <laughs> um. I might do. I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. Probably go for something breadcrumbed. Yeah. You you never go, oh, look at this long list of starters. I really fancy the soup. And the soup's probably just there to use up stuff, right? Or if there's a a glut of something, you know. I tell you once, we ended up having soup, not as a starter, but just as the entire meal. (laughs) We were in Krakow. We did. I don't know if you've ever had this, but you know when you're just walking around a city and we hadn't really planned where we were going to have lunch. We were just kind of walking around, exploring, and thought to ourselves, right, we'll, we'll come across somewhere and we'll, we'll go and have lunch. Everywhere we went to, we were like, I don't know, I'm not sure, maybe the next one. And then lunchtime started to turn into kind of like early afternoon, <laughs> um, getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And we stopped at this kind of like swanky looking, funky cinema, cafe stroke restaurant. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah, it sounds good. Looks good. It's like what looked like an independent cinema. You know, seemed to tick a lot of boxes. And we went in this cinema cafe place, sat down, and the only thing on the menu was borscht, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You are. Sorry, I'm frowning because that sounds really weird. <laughs> that you'd only have borscht, which is like a Polish or Eastern European beetroot soup, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh no, 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 no. There were two different types of borscht. Okay. There was the beetroot borscht, the red one, and then there was a uh, a green one. We said, okay, we've not had borscht before. So I was like, okay, we'll just have the soup because we were starving by then. And then the soup came over, and I don't know if you've ever had borscht. Yeah. I don't like it very much. <laughs> it's it's just bright red and sour. And that was it. And the green one was just green and sour. Pretty intense on the beetroot flavour though, right? Yeah, but not in a particularly wonderful way. I mean, it might have just been the way they made it, but it like we we're really, really hungry. We were over hungry, starving, hoping for a, you know something with meat in it or what have you. 
and ended up having two different types of sour soup. Oh dear. Where were the pierogi? That's what I kept saying. Is like, I, I just want to have pierogi now. And we've been eating pierogi. Or I've been eating pierogi all week. I was like, where's the pierogi? Give me pierogi. Definitely, if you ever go to Poland, go to the Wedel, W-E-D-E-L, chocolate lounges. Chocolate lounges? Yeah, man. They make cho- They make chocolates there, and they sell chocolate-flavoured drinks and all things to do with chocolate. I'm not a big chocolate eater. No. But, but wow. They're hot chocolate. It's not even called hot chocolate. They call it chocolate drink. I think there's a quite a distinction. It's not like chocolate with hot milk in. It's like melted chocolate in a glass. Okay. Um, Julian had the ice, like some ice cream, bought some chocolates, and it's just blow your head off like beautiful. You can even get um, like a chocolate drink with alcohol in. I think like first thing in the morning as well, which is just, which is great. Okay. Yeah. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, go there. I'm going to uh, just read out the name of the soup and you can have a guess, and I, I think it probably would be a guess, at what it might be. Okay? okay? And then you can tell me whether you would eat it or not. Right. Now, I know, I know that you've got a fairly uh, stable constitution and uh, <laughs> a flair. You like to be adventurous and show a bit of flair and panache in your eating. Um so these are legally these are legally binding, by the way. I like to show off uh, on this podcast, but when it comes to the actual deed, I might yeah. I might shy away. You got weirded out by Tim Brussels. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not having that. Yeah, go on. And when I, when I emailed you the link to that Swedish rotten fish in a can, ah. your your bravado about I'll eat it live on air went straight out the window. <laughs> no. To watch a man like and his son, like retching or vomiting almost just by opening the can, that was that was something special. I didn't know that was out as well. They said that the smell was bad, but crikey! As I was as I was watching this, I could almost smell it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never seen someone open a can, vomit on what the contents of the can, <laughs> and then still try to eat it. Yeah, it's other level. It's otherworldly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put we'll put a link to that video on uh, the thing for this podcast, just so you could see it. The Sonstroming or whatever it's called yeah. is uh, you can buy it from Amazon in the UK. So um, I'm still tempted to buy a tin. I think it's only twenty one pounds for a small tin. Twenty one pounds for a visceral reaction. <laughs> okay, soup number one on the weird soup list which I blagged from soupmakerguide.co.uk. I'm not stealing your content. I'm actually flagging it. So thank you for that. Menudo. Imagine it's being said in Spanish. Menudo. Ah, is it a a blood-based soup? Like something like pig's blood or bull's blood? No, it's a Mexican spicy tripe soup. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm there. Right, tick. Have you eaten tripe before? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Tripe soup. You, you don't mind. You don't mind it. No. Once it's been cooked for like at least a day, all you've got then is the texture uh, and whatever flavors. And I'm imagining in Mexico, the flavors are fantastic. So. Yeah. Okay. We can we can we can put menudo probably pronounced wrong down as a first course. Okay. Right. The bird's nest soup. 
that's a I think it's Chinese, isn't it? It's a it's a soup with real bird's nest, which is like glued together by bird spittle. Very good, yeah. So the nests of some sort of Southeast Asian look swift. Yeah. The nests are held together by saliva, which when it's boiled as part of the soup, the saliva becomes becomes gelatinous. Um, very high in minerals. Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, I'm not going to say whether or not I'll have that just yet. I do know that that it is a little bit controversial because I think I think the birds, the nests still have like eggs in them when they yeah. rip the nests off the off the uh, the cliffs. Well, I was going to say there's two, there's two things there. Even if you um, said you would have it, it's a bit dodge because the birds are becoming extinct due to being over and nests being destroyed and all the time. Uh, but it's also really, really expensive. Can you want to guess how much a kilogram of birds' nests would cost you in pounds? In English pounds. Uh, sorry, English in, pounds. in British in British pounds. Uh, Bringlish pounds. A, a kilogram of birds' nest. Uh, yeah. A thousand. A thousand. One thousand four hundred and fifty pounds. Okay, one and a half grand. Uh, I'm sure you don't need a whole kilo for a for a pot or a mug. No, you probably that's probably a significant amount. If the birds weren't endangered, I'd try it, but I don't think I would commit to a whole can. But um I think the bird's nest soup isn't it's a bit bravado-ish, isn't it? It's one of those soups that kind of Apparently it's supposed to have medicinal properties, i.e. it boosts libido, so maybe it is a bit bravado. Yeah. I I'll I'll skip it. I'll skip it. Okay, no. How about you? No. How about well, how about the tripe? Yeah. 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 I thought I'd ease you in gently. Okay. Oh, right. So the next one, again, I apologise to, to anyone who cares about how you pronounce these things. Shiraco, S-H-I-R-A-K-O, which I presume is probably Japanese. Okay. Shiraco. Shiraco, Shiraco. Is it something like... A soup made with like shark lava or something, or uh... shark lava. <laughs> yeah, you know those little. <laughs> <laughs> I know sharks aren't insects. Uh, <laughs> shark is it shark based? It's fishy. It's kind of fish based. Yeah. Is it baby eels? No, no. It's called cod's milk soup, and it's the sperm sack. Of a cod, uh. which is cooked, um, and if you cook it long enough, it melts and becomes all creamy. I bet it does. Look, I think if you're going to kill the cod, which you are, because you've caught the cod, then you may as well use as much as possible. So I would give that a go. Yeah. Okay, that's a definite on the fish sponsor. We can we can have a live a live uh, YouTube episode where you actually find these soups and make me eat them all. Uh, if you get one of the big television networks wants to come in for it, then I think that's a, a definite reason to travel around the world, isn't it? Just to make you eat horrible soup. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it tastes delicious and uh, and wonderful, but I'm just not that adventurous. I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy to stand next to you whilst you try them. Cool. I'll, I'll hold the camera and do a commentary. Excellent. Okay. Vietnamese blood soup, which I presume 
comes from Vietnam. Well, I'm going to take a guess at what's in it. Yeah. Is it pig's blood? Yeah. And uh, chicken blood. It could be a it could be a variety of animal blood. Yeah. Uh, and then probably like the a sausage or some kind of offal. Yeah. So it's duck, pig, or goose blood. Right. Mixed with some sort of fish that stops it all coagulating. Oh, that. Oh, right. Okay. And then, um, so that that makes like the the, the broth, the nice fluidy bit, and then they add the duck innards um, and herbs. Put down for a maybe. <laughs> I'm struggling a touch with the idea of that one. Okay. It's weird. The cod spunk, I'm fine with. <laughs> I think it's just that combination of flavours and textures. I was going to say the same thing. Like, blood, okay, not great, but you know, I, I enjoy black pudding as much as anybody else. So. <laughs> well, we need to stop it coagulating. What should we add? Let's, let's add fish. <laughs> it's just like fish sauce or something, right? Yeah. All oh, right, you're really going for the flavours here. <laughs> And then, and then we need duck, we need a bit of texture. <laughs> yeah, just chuck some duck guts in there. Yeah. Okay. Right. We should say is that this is probably not particularly culturally uh, sensitive, but flip side of that, I have I've had conversations with people from America who you know are absolutely disgusted at the idea of eating black pudding. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't see. I don't. I completely understand where they're coming from. They're not used to it. It's not something that they that they do. We've been in Chinese restaurants and pushed the boat out when it comes to eating foods. You know, there's a, there's always an element of exploration with risk, isn't there? Yeah. When you're kind of you know when you're eating, and, and this is all in the context of having a bit of fun. But I'm hundred percent sure I wouldn't eat that. We we you and I both like to push our own boundaries when it comes to these things and it's all about like you said it's all about your own reference point your own what you're used to and things like that i think in in some countries uh, the idea of eating fermented cow's milk is like repulsive so you know there's spectrums isn't there well, i did an english language teaching course once and um there was loads of japanese students there who we had to teach english to and they were eating these little fishy cracker things they came over and they were like, sir, sir, try this, try this. And I tried it and they knew what was going to happen. It was like this thing was so intensely fishy. It was disgusting. Like, And I just ended up running around the room trying to like wash my tongue and all of that. And all these kids found it absolutely hilarious. So the next day I went into town and bought a massive block of Stilton. <laughs> and I made them eat that as a revenge and they saw the funny side of it and I saw the funny side of it so that's the kind of level I like to operate at excellent yep. so the next one is kibusu soup Kib- k-i-b-u-s-u <laughs> s-u s-u k-i-b-u-s-u k-i-b-u-s-u kibusu any idea which country it's from Tanzania, it's in from Tanzania. Tanzania, okay. At the base of Kilimanjaro. Right. There's a tribe at the base of Kilimanjaro. I think what what you can grow at the base of Kilimanjaro is fairly limited. So this soup is made from banana and coffee. That sounds fantastic. And 
they add mud and twigs to give it an extra earthy flavour because I think that's the only four things available. Banana and coffee soup. I like the idea of this, although it sounds more like a dessert. I think the mud and the twigs probably brings it back to the more savoury element. Right, yeah. Although I've never really eaten mud or twigs. Not even when you were like a kid? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, well, mud tasted pretty much how you'd imagine it would. Do you cook your mud with a cigarette lighter? <laughs> it would take a bit long. <laughs> I know you've eaten mud because I've seen you play rugby. <laughs> yes, I think that's the last time I did. Face that was a lot of mud. <laughs> that was a lot in Glastonbury. Oh, God, yeah. A, a particularly dark black peat almost coloured uh, mud that they have on show there Oof. and you've consumed a lot of it yeah no, i quite like that actually you said it's like banana and coffee you think oh it's a pudding but then they've added mud and twigs for an extra earthy flavor yeah yeah i'd go there yeah definitely try that one okay <laughs> now these ones um i'll just read them out you just say yes or no let's let's assume none of these things are um ex- on the extinction list. So, iguana soup from Nicaragua. Yeah. Oh, you'd eat an iguana? Would you not? Well, I suppose it's no different from eating a fish or something, really, is it? What's next, anyway? Okay. Um, bat soup from Cambodia. Would I eat bats, bat soup? As long as, like, I didn't have to chew on the wings or anything. As long as the, I... I I feel like with some of these, it would be like, right, we'll just chop up an iguana or chop up a bat and we put it, we boil it and that's it. So it's like a broth. I'd, I'd prefer if it was filleted. This one I reckon will get a strong yes and you may have already had it already. Beer, beer soup from Germany. I've never had beer soup. So the German beer soup is actually many recipes for... Beer cassé soup. Right. German beer cheese soup. Oh. So, you've got, like you said, an allium base, onion leeks, garlic, carrots and celeries. Solid. And then, three 12-ounce bottles of beer. A Spartan Optimator. Right. A Inger Celebrator. And a double bock beer, and then you add Emmental or Gruyere cheese, and then obviously serve it with a rye bread. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm there. I'm in. I'm in. Chicken testicle soup from Taiwan. You had some cock soup earlier, so you're definitely on the right. Uh... <laughs> so it's just the two veds, right? <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's not vegetarian. <laughs> I I don't know. I've been there with testicles, and um, I'm just I just not into it. Have you eaten testicles? Yeah, those like big uh, that in Czechoslovakia. I I again bravado macho crap when we were over last, and I had like some bull's testicles, I think, or a bull's testicle. Oh wow. Oh, I'm, I'm, oh, no. Oh. What was wrong with it? It's like. What was it like? Review it. 
But the taste is fine. It just tastes like kind of a little bit meaty, a little bit offily, you know, not overpowering. But it's the texture, mm. the kind of slightly spongy, testicly texture. <laughs> is it a bit like kidney or liver or something? It, no, it's softer than that. I would. Oh, I know what it's like. Have you ever had sweetbreads? No. It's a bit like that in texture. So a bit oh, soft, okay. a little bit like a very firm blancmange. So you're suggesting that a gland has the same texture as another gland? Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> okay, so t- chicken testicles are out, not because you're repulsed by them, just because you've, you've had enough testicle in your life. Yeah. Soup for breakfast. Soup for breakfast. Over the past year or so, I instead of having breakfast, because you know I'm not a weirdly I'm not a huge breakfast fan. Mm. Uh, I've been having a miso soup, and it's just you get these small sachets of miso, and you just with some seaweed, magic seaweed, you squeeze it into a mug, pour in some boiling water, leave it for five minutes. You've got a delicious savoury breakfast soup. The magic seaweed is this weird stuff, right? So they somehow make the seaweed really small and when you add hot water, it grows. <laughs> As in like Jack and the Beanstalk, it grows. Yeah. Like, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll take some footage of this happening and yeah. we'll put it on the website and people can see this phenomenon for themselves. And there's a, I'll, I'll yeah. put... I'll put that we've also got these some dried mushrooms, and I will show these growing as well because it's quite scary. Cool. So, is the is the proposition would I drink miso soup for breakfast? Would you replace your breakfast with a soup? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? You're quite a savoury savoury individual anyway, aren't you? So a lot of people say unsavoury, but yeah, I am savoury. Let's say salty. You're a salty, salty. individual. <laughs> And I also don't, I'm not a massive respecter of timings. Yeah. There are very few things I couldn't eat for breakfast. A tuna steak with green salsa being one of the things I did struggle with when I, someone challenged me. Okay. Y- uh, yesterday's mussels. That was one which we we keep coming oh. back to. but <laughs> Yeah. No, not happening. You know, we were saying about, you know, the, the spectrum of broth through to pie filling yeah the soup spectrum there's that um i always struggle with the is it shachuca or chachuca the like uh peppers onions peppers reduced down paprika and then you cook eggs into it yeah that's right yeah boil eggs in it that's kind of a breakfast dish it's, i mean that's just like a, re- a reduction of vegetables with soup and um, with uh, eggs in Nice uh, side topic here. What do you call that under normal circumstances? Huevos rancheros, which is the Spanish slash Mexican version. Yeah. Uh, and then the British version apparently is eggs in purgatory. Oh, for for huevos uh, eggs in purgatory. The only person who I've ever heard called them this is Nigella Lawson. So it might just be nonsense. Well, I was going to say. That sounds like an Etonian dish to me. Sorry to lump Nigella in with Etonians, but as soon as you said eggs in purgatory, I was thinking, yeah, someone posh made that up, didn't they? Purgatory means... Well, it's that place between the the living world and hell, isn't it? So what what on earth have they done to these eggs, then? 
they're spicy. It's hot. Like you know, oh, right. you're close to hell, but not quite there. I bet it ain't that hot. What purgatory or these eggs? <laughs> purgatory. <laughs> I can do purgatory. <laughs> That's bravado for you, isn't it? The opposite of bravado is you, Burnley Whittenstall. <laughs> I don't know. He's eaten some pretty wacky things. I suspect he's probably had um, eggs in purgatory, hasn't he? I think he's probably invented it. But he's eaten um, he's eaten placenta. Back in 1998, Hugh Fernley Whittingstall made a pate out of one woman's placenta, resulting in many complaints to Channel 4. There we go. Wow. I, I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> we gave our placenta away for stem cell research. Well, I think that's a worthy... Uh, <laughs> much, much better than making a soup out of it. When, when someone said, comes in and says, um, are you going to eat that? No. Can we have it for stem cell research? Yes. <laughs> in, the, in the fog of post-partum, or whatever they call it, the idea that someone would say, are you hungry? Mm, can I get you something? Well, I was thinking about turning that placenta into a pate. Mm, no. <laughs> that... It's a no from me. Illumination. Do you have any more soup-related action? I don't actually. I think we're done.